Hey everyone, welcome to Power to the People, a program on social justice issues produced in collaboration with the Central Kentucky Chapter of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, the Kentucky Student Environmental Coalition, the Central Kentucky Chapter of Showing Up for Racial Justice, and the Kentucky Workers League. I'm your host, Meredith Wadlington, with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, or KFTC, which brings you Power to the People every first Tuesday of the month on 93.9 WLXU, Lexington Community Radio. Let's get started. We are Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, and this is our vision. We're working for a day when Kentuckians and all people enjoy a better quality of life. When the lives of people and communities matter before profits. When our communities have good jobs that support our families without doing damage to the water, air, and land. When companies and the wealthy pay their share of taxes and can't buy elections. When all people have health care, shelter, food, education, clean water, and other basic needs. When children are listened to and valued. When discrimination is wiped out of our laws, habits, and hearts and when the voices of ordinary people are heard and respected in our democracy. In this week's episode, we'll look at the who, what, where, when, why, and how of voting in Kentucky. In the first half of the show, we'll hear from Professor Joshua Douglas, a law professor at the University of Kentucky and co-author of a new book entitled Election Law Stories, and hear what KFTC is doing to get more Kentuckians registered and to the polls this election season. In the second half, we'll hear from Lexingtonian Jimmy Cheatham on why voting is important to him after not being able to vote for several years. And finally, we'll talk about how you can get registered or volunteer with us before Election Day. Now, here's member Maria Stark with more on the state of voting across the country and in the Commonwealth. As of today, October 4th, only 35 days remain before Election Day. That's right. That's only a little over one month until Tuesday, November 8th, when voters all over Kentucky will decide who will represent them at the local, state, and national levels. Today, also marks exactly one week, or seven days, from the deadline to register to vote or update your voter registration. In March 2016, Kentucky joined 30 other states plus D.C. in implementing online voter registration through a new website, www.govoteky.com. The Secretary of State's office reported that between its launch and September 20th, 12,700 new voters had registered for the first time online. This is one of the many efforts to get eligible voters registered and to the polls. Kentuckians for the Commonwealth works to increase voter engagement across the board. In an effort to foster a healthy democracy, KFTC focuses on empowering groups that may experience barriers to voting or are historically less likely to vote. Over the past few years, there has been renewed attention on election laws. Many groups worry that new rules threaten to limit voting rights and reduce turnout. 
Josh Douglas, is a professor at the University of Kentucky School of Law and an expert on election law. Douglas says interest in election laws from the major parties has grown significantly over the past decade and a half. Starting with Bush v. Gore in 2000, when politicians started realizing that election laws could help them win elections, uh, and then really accelerating after 2013, when the Supreme Court issued an opinion in a case called Shelby County that struck down part of the Voting Rights Act. You've likely heard of the Voting Rights Act. It's a pretty important piece of legislation in our country's history. A major victory for grassroots civil rights organizing, the Voting Rights Act was signed into law in 1965. The law sought to overcome barriers put in place during the Jim Crow era that disenfranchised black voters. For reference, this law was passed 95 years after black men had originally been granted the right to vote under the 15th Amendment. One part of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 required nine states in the South and a number of counties across the country to get approval from the Justice Department before passing laws that could impact voters. In Shelby County v. Holder, the Supreme Court struck down the formula used to determine which areas required pre-approval of voting laws. Here's Professor Douglas again. And after the court did that, a lot of states, particularly in the South, started passing various kinds of voting laws, particularly in North Carolina, in Texas, uh, as well as others. And the laws most impact minority voters, students, elderly voters, poor voters, uh, and those groups tend to vote Democrat. One particularly restrictive law came out of North Carolina, a state where many counties previously needed federal preclearance for voting law changes. The North Carolina law did five things. The law cut early voting by one week. It eliminated same-day voter registration, pre-registration of 16 and 17-year-olds, and out-of-precinct voting. And finally, it added a photo ID requirement to vote. However, this law, along with similar ones in Ohio, Wisconsin, and Texas, have not gone unchallenged. As a result, six states have had restrictions struck down this summer alone. In July of this year, a federal appeals court struck down major parts of the North Carolina voting law. The court found that the Republican lawmakers who crafted the new restrictions used specific data on voting patterns to limit black voters. For example, they knew that the first week of early voting was disproportionately used by black voters and that blacks were more likely to lack photo ID. Even more importantly, this data showed that black voters in North Carolina were more likely to vote Democrat. In the court's opinion, Judge Diana Gribben Mott stated, the new provisions targeted African Americans with almost surgical precision. She said that the court could only conclude that the lawmakers had passed the law with an intent to discriminate against black voters. Professor Joshua Douglas, the co-author of a new book called Election Law Stories, noted that with the exception of challenges to rules surrounding judicial campaigns, Kentucky has not been part of the recent political fight around voting laws. So we have not seen particularly restrictive 
voting laws, in part because we're not seen as a battleground state in the presidential election. In addition, the people who have run the state's elections in the Secretary of State's office have been pretty good at keeping that office nonpartisan on both sides. I think it's also maybe because our legislature is split. One chamber is controlled by Republicans, the other by Democrats, so it'd be harder to pass something uh, like that. So would joining other states and adding restrictions like voter ID protect Kentucky from election fraud? Douglas thinks such laws wouldn't address how election fraud is actually committed in the Commonwealth. People are concerned about voter fraud, and the reality is it's actually not that widespread. But our system is actually pretty darn secure. Now, I'm not going to say there's no voter fraud in the system, but the, the voter fraud that does occur, and occurs occasionally, not a lot, but occasionally, is really of two forms. One is through absentee balloting where people will fill out absentee ballots for those who they know are not going to vote or fill out lots of absentee ballots. Uh, The other kind is where you pay off the poll workers. And this occurred in Clay County uh, in eastern Kentucky, where a bunch of people were convicted for basically being on the take uh, while working the polls and then manipulating the way voters cast their ballots through the machines that were used. Voter ID laws don't hit any kind of voter fraud that actually occurs in the system. Voter ID laws target only one kind of possible fraud, and that's in-person impersonation. I show up to the polls and say I'm someone I'm not. And the fact of the matter is that just doesn't happen. One study looked at uh, over 3 million ballots cast uh, in the span of a handful of years and found only 31 even credible potential allegations of in-person impersonation. And then when looking at those 31, found that virtually all of them uh, were not actual voter impersonation. And that makes sense. Voter fraud through voter impersonation is just stupid. If you want to throw an election, uh, you're not going to do it through voter impersonation because you need a whole lot of people to show up at the polls and pretend to be someone they're not. So you're really increasing the risk of getting caught. And uh, it's unlikely to, to have the effect that you want because it's unlikely to actually change the outcome. You have to do a, have a, a whole lot of it to make a difference. Even without new voting restrictions, Kentucky has plenty of room to improve in the area of voter registration and turnout. According to the United States Election Project, Kentucky ranked 39th out of 50 states plus D.C. in turnout for the last presidential election. Professor Douglas explained that a significant number of eligible voters are not registered or do not regularly turn out for elections. It's about two-thirds of eligible voters are actually on the voter registration roll. So about a third are not, and you all, if you're listening and you're not registered to vote, go register. It's super easy to do. Uh, But in the last gubernatorial election in 2015, 31% turned out to vote. And that's 31% of those who are registered. So we're, you know, roughly 66% registered, and only 31% of that group turned out to vote. It goes a little higher in presidential election years, but that's pretty abysmal. You know, one way to fix that is to make sure you're on the voter registration rolls. The deadline in Kentucky to register is October 11th. So you still have time to go to govoteky.com and get yourself registered. It takes just a couple of minutes. Based on historical data, some groups are more likely to turn out than others. For example, there's a correlation between one's age and their likeliness to turn out to vote. The same thing applies to someone's level of education. So basically, the older you are and the more educated you are, the more likely you are to cast a ballot on election day. 
Law professor Josh Douglas believes some groups are less likely to vote for a variety of reasons, which can contribute to a low turnout rate. There's a lot of reasons. There are barriers to voting that uh, if you are poorer or less educated, it's harder for you to jump through those hoops. There's an educational aspect that uh, you need to understand why it's important to turn out and participate. I think there's just some systemic issues in our election apparatus. It's a, it's a difficult problem and one that I think takes some serious inquiry. Many Kentuckians face barriers that can limit their engagement or ability to vote. Some of these barriers are legislative. For example, Kentucky is one of 12 states in the U.S. with a strictly closed primary system. That means voters who do not register officially as a Republican or Democrat cannot choose which candidates run in the general election. Kentucky is also one of only four states in the country that does not automatically restore voting rights to residents who have been convicted of a felony. That means approximately a quarter of a million Kentuckians don't have the right to vote unless the governor restores it to them individually. Douglas believes there are a variety of ways that the Kentucky legislature could improve our election system. Other things we can do, some states have uh, moved to same-day registration where you can show up on election day and register and vote. I mean, it's sort of crazy this day and age where you need to register a month ahead of election day. Uh, when you know that you, we used to need that many days to verify the voter registration system, now with computers and technology, we don't. And in fact, states like Minnesota have adopted same-day registration without any fraud problems. The system works really well. And not surprisingly, they have a higher turnout rate. So I would like to see us move to either shortening the registration timeline or eliminating it altogether and going with same-day registration. Many states have moved to early voting, where they have a period of time before Election Day itself where polls are open at uh, the county clerk's office, for example. Kentucky only allows voters with an eligible excuse to vote by absentee ballot or in person at their county clerk's office in the week leading up to Election Day. In fact, in 2014, Pew Charitable Trusts released a ranking of all 50 states plus D.C., based on the Election Performance Index. This index used indicators to compare states based on their election's convenience and integrity. In the 2014 election, Kentucky ranked 43rd in the country. And then there's some even more innovative things that some places have tried. For example, there's a county in New Mexico that doesn't have precincts. So you don't have to go vote at your home precinct. They have vote centers throughout the county. So wherever you are in the county on Election Day, you can show up and it'll pull the races that you're eligible to vote for. And so this makes it a lot easier if you're near work and your work is not near your home precinct to go and vote. Any of these things that make voting easier, I think, are really key. And uh, the places we've seen successes are the places that have done early uh, voting, same-day registration. And then there's one other reform that we've seen in uh, Colorado, in Oregon, and Washington State, which is where they have a all-mail-in voting. So you don't show up to an actual precinct, you have a mail ballot, kind of like absentee voting, but everyone does it. And then there are some drop centers where if you don't want to put it in the mail, you can drop it off. And again, people think, well, wouldn't that increase 
potential for fraud. Turns out, no, at least the experience in those states has been very positive. Turnout has increased and there have been no instances of, of fraud concerns. And so, you know, I'm not sure if that makes sense for Kentucky, but it's something to study. But before we can pressure our legislature to improve our election system, we need to get a diverse group of Kentuckians to the polls to elect the representatives that can make the changes we want to see. That's why the Central Kentucky chapter has been talking to eligible voters over the past few months. After the break, we'll hear from KFTC member Meredith Wadlington about our work to register and empower transit riders and food bank clients this election season. Stay tuned. You're listening to Power to the People. This is Wesley McBride from the Shelby Chapter of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. As you've probably heard, this is an important election year for Kentuckians. Not familiar with all the candidates you can vote for this election season? Don't stress because KFTC is here to help you navigate all your options and make informed choices about each race with the 2016 Kentucky Voter Guide. The Voter Guide is now available at KentuckyElection.org. There you can view candidate responses to surveys to find out where candidates for federal, state, and local races stand on issues that matter to you most. You can also access other important voter resources like information about absentee voting and how to check your voter registration status, all at KentuckyElection.org. To request a paper copy of the Voter Guide, give us a call at our main office at 606-878-2161. Thank you. Welcome back to Power to the People Radio. This week you're here with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, and today we're looking at voters in Kentucky. Who are they? And why aren't there more of them? Now, there are barriers to voting on Election Day, which we'll talk about some next month, but way before that point, you got to get people registered to vote first. This seems like it should be super easy, and it is, but it's not necessarily super accessible. Like, this is the first year that you can register to vote online in Kentucky. And lots of people still don't even realize that's an option. So at KFTC, we're working to make the process of registering to vote just a little bit more accessible. KFTC does a lot of voter registration in the months leading up to the election. We try to be visible in historically underrepresented communities which is why we've partnered this year with LexTran to get folks registered. Now there's no real studies on this, but there is some data from the State Board of Elections that shows that compared with the general population of eligible voters in Fayette County, public transit riders just don't turn out to the polls as much. For example, in the last presidential election, Eligible voters who use public transit turned out at 53%. Now that's compared to the rest of Fayette County, which showed up at almost 66%. 
the yellow parts are the parts that you absolutely need to fill out. And just make sure you check address change right there. Oh. Thank you. I appreciate this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this makes it nice. Yeah. I, I've been, this has been on my mind. Some of this work involves registering new voters, but a lot of it is just address changes, which yeah, is just as important, is really. 11th, so, so many people get lost in the shuffle. You move, you forget to change your voting registration. It's not on your radar. Then all of a sudden, it's the end of October, and the election is still two weeks away, but you've missed the deadline. partisan statewide grassroots organization so uh, registering voters is a big part of what we do so. are you registered to vote it's always really interesting trying to have nonpartisan conversations with people about something that's become so partisan oh you're not it's quite complicated I see okay yeah cool who are you voting for I get this question well, all the time. Well, we are a nonpartisan organization, so we don't really disclose. Yeah, we don't really talk about candidates so much as we talk about like the process. It's more like politics, right? Yeah. This is politics. Yeah. Just we're just encouraging everybody to get out. So. Well, you know, I've been going both ways. Okay. So well, I can there. tell you that um, you are more than welcome to check other and write independent. Okay. Um, if you, I, I would say that if you do that, that uh -huh. means that in, in Kentucky, you can... In recent years, KFTC has expanded its work with our new power pack, um, which does endorse progressive candidates. We're still learning how to juggle both of these efforts at once. What KFTC is trying to do is move the conversation to a new politics altogether, with the goal of building a just economy for Kentucky. Lots of people I spoke with at Lextran don't feel super great about the presidential election. This is Deborah one of the transit riders who renewed her registration with me. Have you ever voted in Kentucky before? Yes. You have? Several times. What is it about this election that makes you excited to vote? Well, I guess it's because I, I recognize how critical it is that I get out there and vote because there is so much dissension right now. Neither party is happy with the candidates that's representing their party. And I, and I recognize the great need to be out there and, and because I've heard so many say they're not voting one way or the other. Yeah. So I mean, if any time is more critical, it's now, you know. See, even though she really believes in voting, when I asked Deborah if she thinks her vote matters, here's what she well, said. Well, at one time I didn't think my one single vote was going to matter, you know. <laughs> And I still don't think my one single vote's gonna matter, but I, I guess, you know, I'm saying, well, you know, I might as well. <laughs> and I get it. Kentucky is in no way a swing state, and presidential races can really bring out the worst in people. Another gentleman who had just registered to vote moments before, who told me he was hoping to help elect our nation's first female president had this to say. Do you feel like your vote matters? <laughs> Not really. I, I think they know how to cheat, something like wrestling. Like wrestling. 
with plot lines, elaborate choreographed maneuvering, fake blood, heroes and villains. I spoke with another transit writer named Reginald Taylor, who isn't thrilled either, but is still looking forward to voting this November. I asked him why he's interested in voting this election, and it was pretty windy, so just bear with me on this uh, one. simple fact that uh, you've got two candidates that nobody seems to care for, <laughs> and it's like, uh, and, and so I feel like that it's just, I don't know, man, somebody like Donald Trump, I don't care for, I just don't. Hillary Clinton, she's a little shady, <laughs> but I, I, would, I would prefer to have her over him, so I feel like, you know what, I need to get out get my vote in, man, you know? Yeah, do you feel like your, vo- your vote matters? Yeah, I feel like it matters. Yeah, although some people probably say that it doesn't, but I think it matters. It's striking to me that he still almost slipped through the cracks to miss the deadline. As we talked more, it became clear to me that Reginald is, in fact, an informed and engaged voter. I'll make sure, man, everybody I know votes. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of people, man, that, you know, I grew up, man, that was important. Now, my parents, they were just like that. Hey, man, uh, no, it matters. At least, you know, you do have a voice, you know, and if you don't vote, then don't complain about how things are. Because if you're going to make a change, you got to get out and make a change. You can't just sit there. So we grew up on that, and around in my neighborhood, everybody was that way. Everybody was. So all my friends, family, you know, we go out en masse. <laughs> At Lexeran, sometimes I talk with folks like Reginald, Sometimes people just keep their headphones in and keep walking, but every single person who does stop and fill out a registration card is one step closer to getting to the polls this November. Five. How many do we have so far? Five in there. Five? So eight, and we've only been here like, you know, less than an hour. Mm-hmm. That's great. We do this every Tuesday and Thursday, and on Monday and Wednesday, you can find us at God's Pantry Food Bank. God's Pantry Food Bank is a large-scale hunger relief organization in Lexington that distributes food and grocery products to families who need them the most. A recent survey showed 40% of food insecure households that have visited God's Pantry are not registered to vote. So we showed up. Today's the 20th. The strategy here was the same, to connect with as many people as possible and reach every eligible voter to make sure they registered at their current address. The strategy here was the same, to connect with as many people as possible and reach every eligible voter to make sure they are registered at their current address. But unlike Lextran, voter registration work at God's Pantry leaves a lot more room to really tease out some of the complexities of voting as an underrepresented person. My name is Julie Foreman. This is Julie, who registered to vote with us one day in September. She says she's thankful for God's Pantry, which helps her make ends meet when she's in school. But she knows that ultimately, the continued operation of this program is inherently political. This definitely helps me trying to find, you know, work and going to school at the same time. And so when you are in that position where you are trying to make a difference in your own life, that somebody else is making additions that can affect that so that you can try and get ahead and you can receive help, like with God's Pantry, when you do need those, that little extra boost along the way. Are you concerned that 
programs such as God's Pantry are sort of at stake in this election? I do. I think a lot of community help and, and actions are and can be at risk. So do you take that in, into consideration when you're voting? In theory, if folks who visit God's Pantry Food Bank are more vulnerable to hunger and even homelessness, and therefore more likely to be affected by political changes to social programs, then it seems like there'd be more incentive to actually get out and vote. But again, that's just not true. As Josh Douglas noted in the previous segment, it is clear that socioeconomic factors play a huge role in determining someone's likelihood to vote. So it seems like a big dream to say that we want to change all this. Here's Julie again. Before having not voted, I wish that I had, just because you never know. You could be that one vote that makes a difference. And it shows that you know you do care about what's going on. I also talked with this really delightful couple who were so convinced that Hillary Clinton will win that they didn't even really look at it that way. Do you feel like programs such as God's Pantry are being threatened in this election, or do you feel like that's something that's at stake? Say that again. Do you feel like programs like God's Pantry, for example, not like social programs are... Not gonna be. So no. do you take that into consideration in your no. vote? No. I don't even look at it like that. She wouldn't do that. She wouldn't do She knows what it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's had money, but not she's also way around. like to. It's going to be some trouble for a boy get in there. These are just two of the millions of people who have been missing from the political conversation in the United States. It's important to look at the reasons why they've been missing, but in the meantime, it's also important to find those voices and lift them up. So are you planning on voting? Do you feel like your vote matters? Yeah. I could be that one deciding vote. Um, What would you say to someone who thinks that their vote doesn't matter? It matters. That vote matters. You can be that one deciding vote. When we come back, we'll hear from a Kentuckian who realizes the impact of just one vote and who fought for years to get his rights back. Stay tuned to Power to the People Radio. Hi, this is Nick Asher from the Jefferson County chapter of KFTC with an important update about health care coverage in our Commonwealth. If you purchased health care insurance via Connect, you will now have to enroll with the federal exchange on healthcare.gov starting November 1st. For federal Medicaid eligibility, visit the Kentucky Benefind website at benefind.ky.gov. That's benefind.ky.gov. If you have a story about how health coverage of Kentucky has affected your life, check out Kentucky Voices for Health online at kyvoicesforhealth.org. Kentucky Voices for Health is a coalition of individuals and organizations working together to improve the health of all Kentuckians. You can also find resources for contacting your legislator regarding this important issue and learn more about how to take action in your community. Hey there, and welcome back to Power to the People, a podcast produced by Kentuckians for the Commonwealth in partnership with Lexington Community Radio. This month, 
We're looking at voting in Kentucky and the barriers that we are working to dismantle. Up next, we have the story of one Kentuckian who fought for years to get his right to vote back. Here's Anna Rass with the story. The Central Kentucky chapter of KFTC has been registering voters for years, but when the Lexington chapter was going door to door, we found time and time again that folks were unable to register due to a felony conviction. In fact, approximately 250,000 Kentuckians have lost the right to vote for this very reason. To put it in perspective, that's enough people to form the third largest city in Kentucky by far. In most states, after people serve their time, they get their voting rights back automatically. In Kentucky, even a Class D felony is enough to lose voting rights forever, unless they can get a pardon straight from the governor. Kentucky is one of the four most difficult states for a former felon to get their voting rights restored. So after learning all of this, the chapter brought it to the statewide organization and asked if we could take it on as a statewide issue. And that's how we began the campaign to restore voting rights to former felons. The bill we support is House Bill 70. HB 70 would allow Kentucky voters to decide whether to amend the Kentucky Constitution and grant automatic restoration of voting rights to most former felons once they have paid their debt to society. After years of political pressure, KFTC finally achieved a victory in November of 2015 when Governor Bashir issued an executive order that would automatically restore the right to vote and hold office for certain former felons. However, weeks later, Matt Bevan took over the office of Governor of Kentucky and almost immediately reversed Bashir's executive order. This was a major blow to thousands of former felons across the Commonwealth who had just been promised that their voice would matter again in our political process. It was heartbreaking. Jimmy Cheatham is someone who knows what this feels like. As a former felon living in Indiana, he was restored his right to vote, but he was stripped of it not long after, upon moving to Kentucky. Jimmy and I have both struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism. We even committed a lot of the same crimes. The difference is, I had enough privilege to escape the consequences and maintain my civil rights. I sat down with Jimmy to learn more about the nearly impossible journey to becoming a voter again. Here's his story. Hi Anna, I'm Jimmy Cheatham. Um, I am a student, I go to BCTC. I'll transfer to UK in the fall of 2017 as a junior. With it, my social work is my major, and I work at the Shepherd's House, which is a long-term treatment program, and also uh, Doodle's Breakfast and Lunch. Jimmy grew up in small-town Indiana, in what he describes as a very isolated place to be for a young gay male. But Jimmy was able to find a sense of belonging when, at age 16, he began experimenting with drugs and alcohol. You know, as a gay man, I. I didn't know any other gay people. I didn't really feel like I fit in anywhere. Uh, I tried going to, to church and doing different things to try to fit in and it just didn't work. And so um, when I was in high school and when I was 16, you know, I, the party kids, they, you know, I just started drinking and doing what they did and they just welcomed me right into the fold. Jimmy refers to this as the rabbit hole of addiction. But it was deeper than he originally anticipated, and while struggling with his addiction, he was arrested numerous times. In 2010, Jimmy relocated to Kentucky and found himself repeating the same pattern with the same kind of crowd. 
in 2011, I uh, was the house I was living at was raided by the police, and uh, I was taken to jail because there were drugs on the premises, and so uh, methamphetamines in particular, and so it, that was an automatic felony on my record, and. But I had gotten into some trouble in Indiana when I was younger too, uh, drug related. It was a theft and forgery charge, but it was all stemmed back from addiction and alcoholism issues. But Jimmy soon learned that the consequences of his felonies in Kentucky had deeper ramifications to him personally. But when I served my time in Indiana, I was able to vote in Indiana. When I moved here, being a felon and then tacking on additional felonies, uh, I was not able to vote anymore after that. Up until 2012, Jimmy never really paid attention to politics. It wasn't until issues close to him entered the political spotlight that he began to realize that elections could seriously impact his future. Getting older, you know, I never thought um, that I would ever be able to marry. and I, I just never really had an interest in any kind of anything in political until, you know, same-sex marriage started to be an issue. And and now, substance abuse and addiction has come, you know, really to the forefront since the heroin epidemic and everything. So it's even more important to me now. I voted in previous elections, like in, like I said, Indiana. Once I served my time there, you're automatically able to vote again. I, Kentucky's one of only four states that once you mess up, you know, that's a strike against you. That's a scarlet letter in Kentucky. So I'm... I'm doing things that I need to be doing to get my life back on track, but yet I can't exercise my right as a citizen. After being convicted of a felony in Kentucky, Jimmy spent the next two years on probation, working with an officer as he put the pieces of his life back together. During this time, he entered a long-term rehabilitation program, successfully completed it, and even joined the program as a staff member. He also took steps to prepare himself to go back to school and began volunteering throughout the community. These changes did not go unnoticed by his probation officer. He saw me transition and by the end of everything after two years, you know, he was telling me how proud he was of me and and he had told me that once I completed everything, if I was in good standing, that I could get my uh, my rights back. And so I asked him about that and he provided me with the application to do so and to to uh, you know, ask the governor to uh, reinstate my rights, and it took a while after I sent it off, and I thought, you know, is this anything going to come of this? And then um, eventually, I got a letter in the mail signed by the governor and the secretary of state saying that my rights had been reinstated. So Jimmy was one of several hundred former felons who were able to have their voting rights restored under the Bashir administration. The current process is to fill out a paper application requesting reinstatement of rights and submit it to the governor's office. The governor then chooses which applicants, if any, he or she would like to approve. Gotten my rights reinstated just in time to register to vote uh, in the 2015 election. Um, I didn't get to vote in the primaries, but I got to vote in the general election. Jimmy knows what it's like to have his rights taken away. That's why he's looking for candidates this election that would work to uphold marriage rights, not roll them back. I like to try to uh, support candidates that are are fighting to maintain those rights. And also, those same candidates are usually the ones that are trying to, that are on the page, you know, if, if someone has served their time, 
they should be able to get their voting rights back. Jimmy is also excited that in this election cycle, candidates are focusing on addiction issues that many former felons have struggled with. I'm glad that the substance abuse and is on, you know, is are important issues to politicians now because at, at this point I think everybody knows somebody who has been affected by it. As for other former felons, Jimmy had this advice. You know, once you've paid your dues, did your time, um, all you can do is uh, send them the same paperwork I did. Unfortunately, we're, uh, there's a different administration in charge now and I don't know how uh, I don't know how likely it is to happen. I think you should call your congressman, your uh, representative. Um, find out who that is and do what you can. You know, make your voice heard that you know you've changed your life and you think that you deserve to get your voting rights back. There are people on your side, no matter what the politicians look like, and there are people fighting for you. And um, you're not alone. Jimmy is right. Kentuckians for the Commonwealth continues to fight for the automatic restoration of voting rights and continues to push for the passage of House Bill 70. Former felons are encouraged to connect with KFTC, so together we can amplify your voice for change. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll hear from KFTC member Macy Gould. You're hanging out with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth on Power to the People Radio. Stay with us. Hey everyone, this is Molly Caviar from the Southern Kentucky chapter of KFTC, reminding you to check us out online at kftc.org. There you can get plugged into our work all across the Commonwealth and find out how you can support KFTC throughout the year by becoming a sustaining giver. Your membership will always stay current and you can become a sustaining giver with a gift of any size. There's no better time than now to sign up because for all of 2016, in honor of KFTC's 35th birthday, an anonymous member will match your gift when you sign up as a sustaining member. Details are at kftc.org. Welcome back to Power to the People Radio. Power to the People is a weekly show about social justice on Lexington Community Radio. It's collaboratively produced by Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, Kentucky Student Environmental Coalition, Kentucky Workers League, and the Central Kentucky Chapter of Showing Up for Racial Justice. I'm Macy, and today's episode focuses on Kentuckians for the Commonwealth and our work around voter empowerment. So far, we've heard a lot about what KFTC is doing to register voters at different spots throughout Lexington, and the importance of fighting for all Kentuckians to have the right to vote. Next, we'll hear from someone who's been around from the start. My name is Eric Hungerbuehler. I'm uh, on staff with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. Been on staff for about nine years, and I was a member before that. Eric was involved with the Central Kentucky chapter of KFDC back when our work with voter registration was just getting started. Well, back when I was a member, I was really involved in the Central Kentucky chapter, and we were one of the first chapters to do voter registration, voter empowerment work in KFTC. A lot of us were excited about this ordinance that was going to be on the ballot to increase funding for Lextran, which was important to a lot of our members and people we were uh, working with. That's how we initially got started, voter empowerment, 
we would go to the bus shelters early in the morning and in the afternoon and do voter reg and then we would uh, do turnout for those folks, uh, make calls um, when it got closer to election day. Closer to the election, KFTC members would call people who they had registered to remind them to get out and vote. These days, we do even more than that. Over the years, we've definitely expanded kind of our voter empowerment work. We've done more um, on the day of, uh, including giving rides to the polls. When KFTC members call registered voters leading up to the election, they remind them of where to vote in their precinct and ask if they could use any help getting there. Eric is one of many KFTC members who spends election day picking folks up and driving them to their polling place. The most uh, memorable story, I guess, was in 2014. 2014 was a big year for statewide elections in Kentucky. Republican Senator Mitch McConnell was up for his sixth re-election. His opponent was Secretary of State Allison Lundergan Grimes, and a lot of people thought this was our chance to unseat McConnell. Because he was Senate Minority Leader at the time, the election gained the attention and the financial interest of lots of folks from out of state. Grimes even had Hillary Clinton campaigning for her. A lot was at stake in that election, and KFTC wanted to make sure that as many eligible voters as possible got to the polls. Members spent the entire day driving folks back and forth to and from their polling place. A lot of those folks were like older folks, because um, as you might know, older people tend to vote a lot more frequently, So, and, and they often need rides. Um, so one woman in particular was she was blind, she, but she was really excited about voting. We said, yeah, we can definitely, you know, drive you to her polling place and all that. So I went down there and to her house and uh, picked her up and uh, drove her to the school that she was voting at. We get into the voting booth and she wants me to read off all the candidates um, for her because I had to go in with her because she can't, can't really see. So, um, so I read through the whole list, and uh, every, every person she voted for was very conservative. Uh, she voted for Mitch McConnell, <laughs> which is something I never thought I would actually do, would be to click the, uh, the button to select Mitch McConnell and vote. But uh, that's what she wanted, so that's what we did. <laughs> of course we feel that there are candidates who would help create a better Kentucky than others. But in the end, a healthy democracy means that everyone's voice is being heard. It's hard to claim that you have a true democracy if only a small percentage of the voting population actually votes. So um, we want to expand the voting population, of course, through like the restoration of voting rights for former felons campaign that we're working on. But, you know, we also want to make sure folks who are eligible to vote are registered. We want them to know people stand on the issues and we want them to turn out and vote. Even if it means doing something you never thought you would. I still think it is a good thing that that woman got out and voted. I mean, she obviously had some, felt some civic duty to do it, and I think it's uh, important. You know, I'm not going to stop a blind woman from voting, that's for sure. <laughs> KFTC members will be offering rides to voters again this election day. As for Eric, he's been hard at work on KFTC's voter guide. The voter guide provides information to voters about where candidates stand on important issues. We will have our uh, voter guide website online at uh, KentuckyElection.org. I think we surveyed 220-something candidates this year, which might be the most we've ever done. Lots of uh, local uh, state races, legislative races, um, congressional races, Senate, and uh, president. So, and we even got a response from the Clinton campaign, so that's exciting. If you'd like a paper copy of the 2016 election voter guide, or if you need a ride to your polling place on Election Day, call Kentuckians for the Commonwealth at 
2161. about wraps up our show thanks again for listening to power to the people radio this week you've been hanging out with kentuckians for the commonwealth a statewide social justice grassroots organization working to better the lives of all kentuckians i'm your host meredith wadlington with a few chapter updates the central kentucky chapter of kftc meets every third thursday of the month at 7 p.m at the episcopal mission house located at 203 east 4th street That's across from the Living Arts and Science Center on the corner of 4th and MLK Boulevard. Our next meeting is Thursday, October 20th at 7 p.m. Chapter meetings are a great space to meet other like-minded folks and hear about ways to plug into the work of Central Kentucky KFTC and to get involved. All are welcome. Our chapter will be continuing our work empowering voters up until the election on November 8th. We will be working on distributing our voter guide during door-to-door canvases, as well as distributing our voter guide at local gathering spots, especially Lextran and God's Pantry, to continue empowering voters we register this year. We will also be doing election work around our new Power Pack endorsements in the Central Kentucky area. Contact our organizer, Beth Howard, at 859-276-0563 or at Beth howard at kftc.org to sign up also check out the voter guide at kentuckyelection.org to find out about the candidates and where they stand on issues we all care about for more information on our work with lextran check out lexgovote.org and remember free rides at lextran on election day polls are open on november 8th from 6 a.m to 6 p.m if you need to register to vote go to govoteky.gov up until the kentucky voter registration deadline on october 11th power to the people radio is produced by kentuckians for the commonwealth in partnership with kentucky student environmental coalition the central kentucky chapter of showing up for racial justice and the kentucky workers league with help from lexington community radio you can catch us live every first tuesday at 3 p.m. on WLXU 93.9. Thanks for listening. See you next time.